Hello, you naughty little strumpets. Welcome to the first episode of The Steam Room in 2018. Thanks for joining us. It's been a little bit of a long hiatus, but nobody was feeling really sexy here in The Steam Room for a while. But we're back and better than ever and starting off with a completely unsexy film, which is (laughs) The Way of The Steam Room. Joining me this week, as I always have a guest host, is... My darling friend and fellow honey at the Horror Honeys, Miss Brittany. Hello, everybody. Brittany, tell the lovely people about yourself. Um, I am the musical Horror Honey at the Horror Honeys, which means I focus a lot on theater and metal music, and that's a, a, a blast. And and in my spare time, I watch really terrible films for my awesome friend, Lenny, for the purposes <laughs> of her podcast. And this is a really terrible film. And we're, we're going to we're going to kick things off this week with a handful of uh, warnings and notes and usual little disclaimers. A couple new ones this week, though. First off, our general spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen today's film, we will be discussing the plot. So don't be an asshole. Either you're in or you're out. Uh, additionally, some notes. We both hate this film. You've been <laughs> warned. So if you're here looking for conspiracy theories and fanboy wanking, you're not going to find it today. Go to Reddit for that. Also note, you should stock up on your liquids for this episode because the salt shall be plentiful. Finally, Lenny will only be referring to him as Tiny Tom Cruise. If I call him by his Christian name, it will be an accident. On that note, we shall move forward with Eyes Wide Shut, a.k.a. Tiny Tom Cruising for Strange. Now, I'm sure everybody knows that this movie was directed by Stanley Kubrick, but you may not have known that it's based on a novella called Trom Novel by the Hungarian, Hungarian, German, I don't know, one or the other, correct me on Twitter, uh, writer, author, Schnitzler. That sounds German. I'm going to go with German. <laughs> um, it's basically the same same thing, like literally the same thing. It's the same story. Um, this movie stars Nicole Kidman, Tiny Tom Cruise, and other scores of poor people just trapped in their wake. So we'll hit the plot in a minute, as it were. But as always, we start off with a little bit of Steam Room Confessional. And in the Steam Room Confessions, because we want to make you part of the sexy, every episode now we have a viewer poll that we conduct on Twitter prior to the episode, and then we showcase some of your answers. So if you interact with us on Twitter, you very well may end up on an episode of the Steam Room. And what's more sexy than that? Nothing. There's nothing. Um, The poll for this episode was, ironically, what is the least sexy erotic thriller of all time? And our options were today's movie, Eyes Wide Shut, Boxing Helena, (laughs) Basic Instinct 2, and Body of Evidence, all, I think, very cringeworthy films. And because of that, this poll was one hell of a horse race. I mean, the only reason I think Body of Evidence came in so low is because people have mostly forgotten that movie exists. Um, (laughs) But Eyes Wide Shut and Basic Instinct 2 were neck neck until the end. But the winner was Basic Instinct 2, same script, different day. I mean, risk addiction. Uh, A special shout out to our friend Matt, a.k.a. at Snark of the Beast on Twitter, who has the unique and enviable pleasure of previously not even being aware that Basic Instinct 2 existed. 
if if this is if this is your life, people, please cling to that beautiful knowledge. Don't <laughs> don't seek this movie out. It is upsetting. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on to today's movie that we both hate. Brittany, do you want to hit some plot here? Would you like me to do it? You can you can go for it because okay. I hate it that much. But fun fact, Trom Novelle is Austrian. Oh, see, well, same general area. <laughs> European-ish. General European-ish. My apologies to people of German ancestry. Not <laughs> I didn't offend you. I just didn't know where Arthur Schnitzler was from. <laughs> so anyway, in Eyes Wide Shut, uh, a married couple gets stoned and start telling each other their fantasies. And the husband finds his wife's fantasy so outlandish that he feels that it gives him the right to go out and start looking for some tail. And he finds it. And maybe it's the Illuminati. I really don't know. Nor do I care. (laughs) But that's why I call this movie Tiny Tom Cruising for Strange. Because that's literally what it is. The entire movie is him just walking around New York, I guess. I think they filmed it in London, though. Yeah. Um, him looking for somebody to have sex with him, which he has a really hard time finding, by the way. Like, do you notice that women are throwing themselves at him left and right, but he doesn't actually find all that much sex. Does he find any sex? I don't know. They imply that something happens with uh, Vanessa Shaw, the prostitute. Yeah, but I don't think it does. No. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't recall anything actually happening. So it's kind of a non-sexy sexual thriller. I mean, there are plenty of people having sex, but it's not all of that appealing. No, Nicole Kidman gets a lot of great sex. Good for her. She does. Good for her. God's bless Nicole Kidman. She deserves it. So I think one of personally, one of the big sticking points on this movie for me is I'm never terribly comfortable watching real life married couples having on screen sex. Like it can be awkward enough anyway, but when they're married in real life, I I feel my mind drifting. And then when you make it Tiny Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, like it's even worse and then, I mean, because literally their marriage was falling apart. I, you can actually see it happening on screen. Well, and they were also in like the worst scenarios filming this too, right? Because well, Kubrick, was, he had them like living in his apartment, right? Yeah. In the room that they shot in and was like purposefully doing things to incite different feelings, right? Like I think he shut Tom Cruise off set when Nicole Kidman was filming her sex scenes and like, and like clearly exacerbating the problem as well too. And it just makes it even more uncomfortable to watch. Which doesn't surprise me. I mean, if you know anything about what Kubrick did to the women in his films, rare though they were, I mean, a lot of his films didn't feature women at all. Um, When you know the way that he treated the women in his movies, it doesn't surprise me that he was getting his jollies doing oh, yeah. and apparently he and Kidman had a very close relationship but I just I don't know it makes me very uncomfortable watching with the knowledge of what was happening off screen as well and obviously I'm bringing my own feelings about Tiny Tom Cruise to the scene here because it just <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, the thing that's interesting about this film versus 
some of the other ones that he has women in, like when you watch this film, I guess maybe as a woman, like you clearly don't like Tom Cruise. Like you're watching him at on the screen screaming, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you making this big deal out of nothing? Um, so I feel like at least Nicole Kidman kind of gets some like sympathy vote for being married to such an asshole. And that's but then the it's like, was the movie meant to be that way? Cause if you read the original book, which I did a thousand years ago, it's not, it's, it doesn't, it's not meant to cast anybody in a negative or positive light. And when you, and I don't like the book either, uh, if that's not clear, mm-hmm. but if you, if you watch the movie, it feels like it probably is siding with Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. but so much of the movie is about tiny Tom Cruise that it's hard to understand why I would want to watch a whole movie about somebody that's so just awful. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I maintain that I could have watched a whole movie of just naked Nicole Kidman dancing to baby did a bad thing, but then Tom Cruise had to ruin it with his stupid face. Like, where's that movie? Somebody cut that movie for me. It doesn't even have to be baby did a bad thing. Like I have so many issues with how like Nicole Kidman's sexual fantasy singular one. That's not even that bad. Right. You know, being portrayed with music that said like "baby did a bad thing," she didn't do shit. Like she had a moment. Yeah, and this is even isn't that scene a scene in the mirror before she's confessed anything? They're getting ready for the party, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. When she like takes the dress up in the bathroom, yeah. but I mean, so, even still, knowing the film, it's like she didn't. Yeah, she didn't do shit. Yeah, it makes you wonder if it's automatically trying to portray her body just as inherently bad by nature of being a woman. Ooh, that's a lair. That's a lair. I'm gonna have to think about that. I had not considered that before. Mm. I'm probably putting well, too much so, thought into a Chris but, Isaac song. And jumping into as well, like going into that just a little bit deeper, reading up on the conspiracy theories. I know, I'm sorry, just like in preparation for this. Sure. They talk a lot about how they reference Nicole Kimmon's body a lot in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of like, oh, you're so beautiful. And she has her daughter who's like, you know, I want to be as beautiful as you or whatever it is that interaction is. But there's a lot of focus on on Nicole Kimmon as like an object versus a person. And we'll, we'll get to their argument in a minute because they're the, the actual argument scene that instigates all of this. There's there's a conversation about that. Um, I did. I did not know that Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger were originally supposed to be in it. That would have been just as bad. Honestly. Yeah, that's what he wanted originally, <laughs> according to multiple sources, was he wanted those two. I feel like it would have been the exact same result. I grant I mean, at the time I did not feel about Alec Baldwin the way I've always felt about Tiny Tom Cruise. But now, in retrospect, obviously I have different very different feelings about Baldwin, but they were in almost the exact same position where their marriage, if it hadn't already, it was just about to start crumbling. It would yeah. have been just as horrific to watch that happen on screen. Was I mean, it's like was he targeting couples that were? I mean, he had to have been right, like Ugh. in like being super picky about his casting and making sure like he has like a real life couple being on the screen. Like, I don't think he was gonna go like let's say he was casting today and pick like John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Like that's not gonna work, you know. But get I me think Tom Hanks super- and Rita Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. No, I mean. He's looking for people with tensions that he can exploit. Oh, God. That's so, ooh. Ooh. Not okay. I'm uncomfortable. 
deeply. Ugh, gross. All right. So like the first thing that really the the scene with the the confessional thing comes up pretty quickly and we don't spend a lot of time with them. There's a party scene. She's quote unquote flirting with another guy. He disappears with two other women randomly that claim they know him. Um, it doesn't last long before we're automatically into their fracturing relationship. And the, the getting stoned part of it also was a sticking point for me because I can't recall ever getting stoned and slowly confessing my deepest sexual fantasies. Like, I don't understand why he made her talk like that. That drove me nuts. Like Tom Cruise seems to be completely pulled together and coherent and fine. And she's the one that's all flipped out. So it's automatically putting them at a disadvantage with each other, but it's so awkward and uncomfortable. And she's the one that's in the the worst position because he's, he seems to be more coherent. I don't know. And also completely like counterintuitive to what pot actually does. Like, has he actually stoned, like, Stanley Kubrick ever actually gotten stoned? Like, that's not the time anybody argues. Yeah, but. no. And, like, Tom Cruise, when he says, relax, this pot is making you aggressive. Like, as a woman, somebody telling you to relax, my first instinct is, like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Yeah. It's con- It's automatically condescending. She wasn't aggressive. She was having a completely legitimate conversation with him. So there was no reason for, relax, the pot is making you aggressive. Fuck you, tiny Tom Cruise. And it also makes you really wonder, like, if we're, like, digging deep into their marriage, like, what kind of superficial marriage did you have at this point where you felt like you couldn't have these conversations not stoned? Yeah. No, exactly. And it's, it's, oh, it's upsetting. We're gonna, we're gonna, here's a moment from the film, probably the best moment, because it's the first and really the only time Nicole Kidman feels like she gets, like, a real moment. Women don't they basically just don't think like that millions of years of evolution right right men have to stick it in every place they can but for women women it is just about security and commitment and whatever the fuck else a little oversimplified alice but yes something like that if you men only knew that was a really good moment. Like, once again, fuck you, tiny Tom Cruise. Like, what you know about women c- could fit well. All right, we're getting into gray area here. <laughs> we're yeah. getting into Xenu territory here. I'm not going to go on a tangent. But <laughs> and also, like, your character is a doctor. Right? Like, is this, are you so very, like, obtuse, like, as a physician, you don't realize that men and women both have hormones? Right. Or fantasies or desires or like or, anything. Or brains. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. And it, it, like I that's probably my favorite. One of my favorite Nicole Kidman moments, just the, the venom in her voice that if you men only knew it's like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> I want that yeah. on a T-shirt like that line. <laughs> it applies in Funny. so many scenarios. It's interesting, too, when thinking about their real-life relationship in terms of, like, bringing Scientology into the conversation and how you're supposed to control your thoughts and only think a certain way and blah, blah, blah. 
And it, it almost feels like she's just like expressing that moment as well to like, if you only knew what actually goes through my head, you know? And this was, I mean, it, you know, I don't want to get into the conspiracy theory territory here because I don't, I firmly don't believe this movie is really about anything. Um, but one of the theories is that it's, it's a screed against Scientology. Now, I don't believe that because there is no way Tiny Tom Cruise is going to make a movie bashing his beloved Scientology. But on another level, you could almost it just maybe in a couple moments see where maybe Nicole Kidman was having her say, because that was one of the major things that separated them for real. So she maybe got to say things in the movie that she wouldn't get to say because Scientology would not allow her to. The Scientology conspiracy theory, when you look into it is super like, it's fun to like see how people go down that rabbit hole though. Cause yeah, I mean, I've read, I've read it. I get it. But again, like unless tiny Tom Cruise is really dumb, which I don't believe he is. He may be crazy, but I don't think he's stupid. I cannot believe that he or any of his handlers would stand by while somebody put him in a movie that was a secret anti-Scientology film. Totally agree with you. I mean, I think the only way that could have happened is, you know, they talk about how like Cooper made a fulfilling rewrites and I'm sure like made all these cuts, but yeah, at the same time, like, yeah, no, that probably wasn't going to happen, yeah. even though I really wish that were true. Exactly. And I just sometimes choose to believe it. Exactly. And so, so the core problem with this movie, and we've kind of touched on it, is that Alice confesses her sexual fantasies and Bill just sees that as a hall pass to fuck anyone and anything he bumps his dick into. Now, granted, it doesn't happen, but what <laughs> in what universe <laughs> are the two <laughs> things related like we're having an honest, open conversation about our marriage in which I tell you that this one time I saw a man I was attracted to and had doubts about our marriage. All right, honey, I'm going to go out and have a sex orgy. Like, it just the, the, the look on his face when he feels like the illusion of his wife is shattered because she had one fantasy, like the amount of distress that goes like through his mind is just hilarious to me well, the fact first, he keeps imagining something that never even happened like the, the, right and like uh, and i'm i'm sure tom time tom cruise that you never had that go through your mind once as a man like you were just hanging out with two models you think your wife is like chaste and perfect like you are fucking crazy like anyway yeah and it's just it's gender inequity out the yang like, mm-hmm. even if we discount that the men in this movie are garbage, and they really are. Like, I maybe I don't I'm trying to think if Thomas Gibson's character did anything horrible. I don't believe he did. I think off the top of my head, he's the only one I can't think of that did something gross. But the basic premise is just disgusting. Like, just because he can't stop obsessing about something that never even happened, she has to be punished. Like, that's that's insane. It's also funny to me that like, that's the moment when like the, then when you like clearly saw your wife dancing with another man, like that, the fantasy is the moment that bothers you. Anyway, it's no, there, okay. there are all these moments that are, are just confusing and it, it makes you question <laughs> the original book obviously is, is the source for all this, but did nobody read that? and think maybe we should make some changes 
maybe the male mind is not this dick driven and simple. Like it really it's Alice is the one that gets screwed, but Bill's the one that looks like a dick. You know, it doesn't yeah. reflect well on anybody. So is that the point that <laughs> everybody's garbage? Like, that's not really Kubrick's vibe. Like, he's never really made a movie that was that nihilistic, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what I struggle with with this film, because I don't dislike every one of Kubrick's films. No, but nor do I. in this particular one, like it's it's more disjointed than the rest. And I don't know if that's a product of like studio edits after he died or or, or what. Right. But it's like. I, I don't I don't know what his point was here. Yeah. And that that, that is a, a question that a lot of people have had, that there may have been a lot of studio interference because I, he he. I am. I don't think I'm getting this wrong. He wasn't able to finish the edits on the film. Somebody else had to, correct? Yes. Yeah. So it, it, I could see at a, that some things were perhaps not edited together the way he would have done it, but it doesn't change the core concept of the movie, which was what it was right. from the original book. Um, again, they're, they're identical. If you read the novella, it's the same thing. So... Mm-hmm. I think the ending is slightly different. Obviously, it doesn't end with the same word choice and such as the film does. But, you know, it's, you know, he's such a condescending jackass to every woman he talks to. There are all these moments where that don't make any sense. Like, I I don't I'm just going to go ahead and bring it up now. Um, The moment where it's revealed that uh, Vanessa Shaw's prostitute has HIV. What did that have to do with anything? Yeah, nothing. It had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> it didn't come up. Like, and to fuck her over for being a sexual being, right? Right. And that's what I feel like keeps coming up over and over again, is that the women in this movie that are sexual beings or have sexual thoughts are the ones that get screwed over. Lily Sobieski's character. Her father acts all protective of her when she's being... I, I don't know what she, what's being done to her by these two bit Japanese businessmen, I think. Yeah. And, but then it turns out that he's prostituting her to him, them, which is lovely. And then obviously Vanessa Shaw's character out of nowhere has HIV. Uh, her roommate gets groped by tiny Tom Cruise, which is completely random. Like he just yeah. walks in and stuffs his hand down her shirt. Um, the woman that tries to save him in the giant Illuminati sex orgy ends up dying of a drug overdose and they imply, oh, she's just a whore junkie. What does she matter? Like n- every woman in this movie is either a slut or a whore or a whore for having fantasies or an actual prostitute getting HIV from being a prostitute. I mean, it's really horrible. <laughs> yeah. I think the one thing I struggle with is like, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the characters are so one dimensional that, you know, there's a lot of conversation is like, is, is most of this film Tom Cruise's dream, right? Or like Tom Cruise is like a hallucination of some kind. Well, that's, and, that's what we get to at the end is the, was it yeah. all a dream thing? And like, which is stupid. I mean, it's, I don't believe it was. I think that was an editing thing. Cause it's not, again, the book it's based on, it's not a dream. It happened. 
Right. Um, there's no reason for it to be a dream. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense to make it a dream. Uh, so all of these random conversations and things that lead nowhere. I'm sure there are people that have analyzed the hell out of this. Again, you know, I've seen people say that it's about the fake moon landing, which every yeah. Kubrick movie can literally not be about the fake moon landing. Or apparently a NASA sex ring. I read that once too. Ugh, fucking Alex Jones. He, right? he keeps banging that drum and it won't stop. Like every couple of years, NASA has to come out and say, we don't have a sex ring on Mars. Please stop asking. <laughs> this is the world we live in. Um, I really hope I would love to write that press release, though. Let's be honest. Like, oh, the poor scientist that keeps getting asked those questions. Like I'm just trying to do my job, man. Uh, I don't believe it's about the Illuminati. Unless Stanley Kubrick was like giving a middle finger to the fact everybody thinks his movies are about the Illuminati. Uh, it's not about Scientology. I'm like, you know, again, I don't dislike all Kubrick films. I don't love all of them either. But Kubrick, Kubrick fanboys need to slow their roll. Like, it's possible that he just made a movie based on a book that wasn't meant to be about anything except a fracturing marriage and the nonsense that a married couple gets up to. And why does yeah. it have to be about something? Why can't it just be what it is? I, I tend to think this is me that it meets somewhere in the middle. Like I do think that there is like symbolism he injects. Cause he has a lot of like, if you look at a lot of other films, very weird cuts and very weird choices that he makes. And and I think that there is some like deeper element of thinking that he has done, but I certainly don't think that it's like to the level of like the poster in the background has to, you know, reference this like mind washing thing or whatever. Right. Like, I don't yeah. think it's, it's as deep as everybody wants it to go. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like Danny's sweater and the shining is an admission that Kubrick filmed the moon landing. Like, good God. <laughs> oh, my head. I just got like an instantaneous headache just saying that sentence. <laughs> All right. So while Tiny Tom Cruise is having his melodramatic man walk around New York, there's this random scene that's always really bothered me. And it's the scene where these guys walk by him and start screaming all these gay slurs at him. I don't when they hit him? It. Huh? When they hit him? Yeah. Yeah. They hit, So... It, Either it was just another pointless moment in a long series of them, or a part of me wants to think that maybe it was a comment on what we all already know slash suspect about Tiny Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> I lean towards the former, but then again, Illuminati moon landing or whatever. You know? I, yeah. I don't know. I think that moment was meant to make him feel even more inferior. Like, I think the moment where like Nicole Kidman has this quote unquote revelation, AKA very normal thought. Right. Um, he felt like shattered, right? Like he, like he felt like, Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a man. You know, my wife dreams of other men. I'm not in control of things, blah, 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 blah. And I think that that moment was meant to just like knock him down a few more pegs. Right. So then he goes on this crazy, like I have to control all women fantasy or whatever, you know, that's even worse because then it's implying that it's immediately emasculating by calling a man gay. That's what I, that's what I, that's how I interpreted it. And I completely agree that it's a horrible thing to do, but that's like, he was already emasculated by his wife, quote unquote, even though he wasn't right. And then this was like another 
notch for him because his character, you know, is a very like stuck up singular, like I am the center of my universe. And if nobody, if my, if the people around me aren't revolving around me, then it's not, you know, it's very, like he's a narcissist. Right. And I think that just, they had to, they had to tear him down a little bit further in a way that was going to bother that character. Right. And speaking of the whole doctor thing, this just popped into my head and I don't know why it's always bugged me in the beginning. They're showing him like doing his doctorly things. And in one Mm. scene, he's basically giving a woman a breast exam. And in the next, he's examining a little boy. Is that common for a doctor to be giving breast exams and then doing pediatric stuff? Like do family practice doctors do breast exams? I mean, yes. Okay. Cause I would never go to my family practice doctor for breast exam. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gone to a specialist for things unless I've been told to. So. Yeah. I, I would be interested to talk to somebody that went to their family practice doctor for their breast exams and then took their child to that same doctor. Because I, I've yeah. been seeing the same doctor since I was a child and you can bet your ass I would not go to him for my breast exams. That would be. <laughs> But the funny thing is, too, is it, like watching that scene now is really funny to me because whenever like, let's say you're having a male doctor do like your female exam, like your pelvic exam or anything like that, like mm-hmm. they, they require a female nurse in the room. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, there's not one in that scene. I think he specifically there may have been because I think he specifically said something to her when they're fighting because the, the quest she brings up that whole conversation about, you know, you're female patients being touched by you. And he says specifically that there's always a nurse in the room. Oh, maybe there very was. well may have been. I honestly, it, it's a, such a throwaway moment. I probably did not commit enough brain power yeah. to it, but I don't think it's a throwaway moment though. Cause I think that's, that's those scenes are setting him up as like being in control of other, of their true. other bodies. You true. know what I mean? True. Very true. Ugh. So I know. He's a very like physical, like he has to be in charge of all the physical things. Like that's what's I'm sorry, the, the phrase breast exam from Tiny Tom Cruise just went through my head and I'm like, that's my hell. That's my hell. <laughs> we don't have to watch this movie again. No, never. Um, so then, of course, after all the melodramatic man wandering around New York, we get to the mask orgy. Um I don't know if this is how the Illuminati spends their time. No wonder they don't want anyone to know who they are. Cause that shit's humiliating. That is, right. that is the most <laughs> embarrassing orgy I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, and how boring. So boring. So much missionary. So much missionary. <laughs> if you're in a sex orgy, like mix it up a little. Were we talking about some of that being like CGI or superimposed or they, something? Uh, because uh, the MPAA was threatening to NC-17 it, they went back in and I can't remember if they added more cloaked people or uh, something. They they had to superimpose things over some of the sex because it was too much uh, for an R rating. I, yeah. I don't... E- even so the stuff that you do see, I feel like there were probably ways they could have made that work without it being so boring. (laughs) There's, I think there's like one couple 69ing a lot of missionary. Oh yeah. I think there was one couple when we were talking about it earlier that was like doing something that was like impossible. And you were like, 
that's how that came up. Cause there was like, I was like, there's no way they could be like giving this blow job in this position. You're like, Oh yeah, that's probably CGI. And I was like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So the, I mean, it's just the whole thing is the opposite of sexy. And I, I, was it supposed to be, I feel like it was supposed to be. Was it? I don't know. <laughs> this this mask orgy thing is like so confusing. And how do you do anything romantic when you've got these stupid giant peacock feathers sticking out everywhere? Yeah, I think it was supposed to be transactional. Like that's how it or or ritualistic. Like it wasn't supposed to be. But the ritual part is all just that weird chanting and standing around in robes. Is it? Because then there, there's like the, those moments where like the women have to like go meet whoever other, I'm, I'm assuming male characters in robes and like have sex with them or something. They, well, I don't remember that actually happening. All I remember, and I just watched this last night. It says a lot that it's uh, already kind of pushed out of my head. Um, the actual scene where Tom, Tony Tom Cruise gets nailed or caught it's they've just finished their chanting thing and they're all clothed, fully clothed, standing in a circle in robes. And they're doing this horrible chanting, like out of tune chanting. There's okay. no sex happening. And then the woman offers herself up and she's naked and standing there. And you don't know what she's offering herself up as until later. Right. Um, but before that, it's just people fucking. Like there's really nothing else going on. You know, it doesn't seem like it's, it's not bloody. It's not dangerous. They're doing it on pool tables. They're naked women sitting in each other's laps. Really almost like at one point I thought there were two mannequins there because there's one woman sitting in another woman's lap during a whole scene. And I swear to God, they don't move. Like they literally don't move, not an inch. And it was very weird. And it didn't feel intentional. It didn't feel like it was meant to be part of the scene. I just felt like a really strange thing that they did. Um, But it's, I don't know. Maybe I've gotten too used to the horror world where ritualistic sex orgies, you know, or ritualistic sex orgies. You know, I want something. I want something happening. I want maybe some blood, maybe some, something crazy happening. You know, at the very least I want a witch flying around. I don't know. Something like, it's just all very 50 shades of gray. Like it's mom porn. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out like how that fits within the narrative of the film though. Cause like, it's, it's an interesting scene, I guess. And it's iconic for the film now. Right. But right. Like, in terms of Tom Cruise's, like, if I'm following my own narrative of, like, he wants to control every person, like, or every woman, how that fits in there. Like, why is he crossing the line to, quote, unquote, dangerous? It doesn't. He doesn't do anything. Right. Like I said, uh, he doesn't seem to be any danger. The only danger to him is a feather to the eye injury. Like, there's... There's nothing dangerous to him except that he may find out who these people are, but they don't seem all that concerned with being found out because they know each other. And at the end, with the stupid Bond villain reveal that I believe was inserted later to explain things featuring Sidney Pollack, Mm -hmm. it's uh, I mean, he's just fucking admitting that he's one of them. Like, if it were really that big of a deal, would he just be like, yep, it's me. I'm an Illuminati. Whatevs. 
It's my deal on the weekend. Well, it's, it's not like we discovered anything either, other than that, like they wear masks and get naked. Like, no, okay, no, not a lot of people do that. Yeah, that's what, like, the whole scene feels like nothing. Like, there are so many scenes in this movie that feel like they mean nothing. Like, you could pull that out. Again, this is, but it's also in the original book. But you could pull this out and it wouldn't matter. Like, he could still be doing his walk around. He could still be meeting with a prostitute. Like, but it's, you know, everything's connected because the teenage girl moment with Lily Sobieski is in the mask store and I get it but I don't understand why it matters isn't the girl that he saved in the bathroom during the holiday party the one that rescues him from the orgy scene before she gets killed yeah and again that's something you wouldn't have known if they had not inserted the Bond villain exposition at the end right Um, and honestly it didn't I I didn't think that was her either. Forgive me for saying this, but the breasts don't match. Oh, they don't. No, no, no. <laughs> like, and her body seems wrong too. I mean, the woman in the sex orgy looks too tall to be the woman from the beginning. There's just a lot of stuff that doesn't sync up. So it feels like there's a lot of things that the we'll, we'll get to the the exposition scene a little more in a bit, but it just. I don't know that that whole thing. I don't want to say it felt like an attempt to be edgy because that wasn't again, that wasn't really Kubrick's vibe. He didn't really care about that. But if there was a reason for it, and again, you're nobody's going to sell me on this moon landing Illuminati bullshit. I, if there was a reason for it narratively, other than just it was in the book, like I don't get what it was. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. lend anything to fixing or not fixing his relationship with Alice. So I don't think that was ever the point of this film though, you know? No. And the ending I think really nails that too with their final conversation. What a fucking not ending that is. But anyway, we'll get to it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Quick interjection. What a waste of Alan coming. Why even, why even waste the time of having him in the movie? If you're not going to, use him to better better results was that i'm trying to think of alan cummings career in 1999 more than that like i mean he'd done plenty of films and certainly plenty of broadway so i mean yeah i don't know i mean but he would be the other man in the film that did not do anything wrong yeah true wow yeah i mean he didn't have any opportunity to he was just the desk clerk he was the one that was like oh i saw her leave yeah, like oh, Alan okay. coming playing a desk clerk. Fish shake, says I. Fish shake. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to take a quick lighter side question that I feel is worth discussing because it's a little late to be having this conversation, but is it ever really too late? I ask you. I don't think so. Um, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie and Moonstruck is a Christmas movie, which I say it is, is Eyes Wide Shut a Christmas movie? No. Why don't you think so? Because it has nothing to fucking do with Christmas other than the fact that they attend a Christmas party and it perhaps looks like winter. Okay. See, I am of the mind that as long as a movie is set at Christmas and gives you some sort of positive feeling at the end, 
it can be a Christmas movie. It doesn't necessarily have to have a holiday theme. Sure. So I, I, I don't disagree, but I feel like the holiday has to be, in my opinion, a little bit more centric to the plot, right? Fair, fair. Like, like trying to get home for Christmas or, you know what I mean? Like something around like holiday and holiday type themes that come with it. Right. Right. Like family or love or whatever. Right. See, I force Moonstruck because Moonstruck is very positive and uplifting and just happens to be set at Christmas. But to the point like where some people don't even realize it is. Um, I've actually told people and they had no clue. Like, oh, yeah, the trees are up at Lincoln Center. Couldn't you tell? I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a Christmas movie because I say so. But in <laughs> this case, it's like, yeah, there are trees and shit around, but you're not going to sit down and watch Eyes Wide Shut with your parents. If you are, God's bless. I don't want to know about your family. But <laughs> generally speaking, I don't know. I have trouble classifying this as a Christmas movie. It doesn't fit with my themes. Yeah. Like, your your sexual meltdown does not compute with the holiday season for me. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I think we are both on the same page for different <laughs> reasons. Eyes Wide Shut, not a fucking Christmas movie. Um, Knock it off, people. Idiotic fact. Some people actually believe that the Ligeti piece, the uh, ding, ding, ding piano piece that is used in the film is the anthem for the Illuminati. The Illuminati need a better fucking composer. Like, <laughs> no, I like Ligeti. I think as a he's an avant-garde composer. I like some of his stuff. This is not my favorite piece. It's a little too abstract and minimalist for me. This movie like, has ruined this. This movie has ruined it. Um, but really, that's that's the that's the anthem for the Illuminati. Like you're just walking around and you hear that song playing. You're like oh, Illuminati. Like, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah. No, I'm going to say no. I also think the Illuminati are far too rich to go with an avant-garde theme. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think they probably can afford to have their own anthem composed. In all I honesty. also believe that the Illuminati has been around long enough, quote unquote, that it definitely predates any modern composer. So... <laughs> also fair. I just love how that's everybody's answer to anything that they don't like or do like about a Kubrick film. Like, oh, it was the Illuminati. Oh, I don't like this movie. The Illuminati did it. I love this movie. It was the Illuminati. Like, what the hell? Don't you think they have some anything better to do? Like, they're occupied taking down governments and inserting puppet leaders. Like, they don't need Kubrick movies to do that. Right. Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense, says I. I mean, but there are a lot of really idiotic conspiracy theories that we've mentioned throughout this that are just like, I want to know who sat down and had that much time to create the Reddit threads of like, here's all the things that I saw in this film. It's like, and how high were you when you watched it? Well, you you said the magic word, Reddit. So you can find conspiracy theories about SpongeBob SquarePants on Reddit. I mean, it's... (laughs) A lot of people, a lot of time on their hands. I actually, and this is a true story. I dated a guy that would not shut up about conspiracy theories involving this movie. And I almost broke up with him because of it. 
Like almost. I did later for different reasons, but this was almost the reason. Like I, he would not shut up about the, and specifically the Illuminati ruining the, I believe he thought that they killed Kubrick and that they were trying to stop the finishing of this film because it was a expose of the Illuminati. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, here's like, like I said, I think there is, there is stuff to be analyzed in Kubrick films. I do. I, it reminds me of when you're like in 10th grade English though, and you have to read like Lord of the flies or the scarlet letter. And you're supposed to like write these five page essays on symbolism. And I'm like, I really honestly don't think that any author or filmmaker thought that fucking hard about the conch. Like, you know, (laughs) and if they did, it's not my job as a teenager to continue it. So like it's not your job as a stoner living at home with your mother to solve Stanley Kubrick's quote unquote murder. Hate to break your heart stoners, but if you are, if you are that bored, Reddit is a great place. <laughs> there are some really fun videos. Like if you even just want to humor people, I certainly do it sometimes. I, but I hope I am never that bored. And that is all I'm going to say about that. Um, this is a good place to pause before we completely move on from our Illuminati sex orgy for mm-hmm. a, a bad touch service announcement from our resident sex expert, Miss Bella Blitz. Hello, boys and girls. This is Bella here with your BTSA bad touch service announcement. Sex clubs can be fun, but sex clubs that double as sex cults, those aren't so fun. One minute you're ready to express your every desire and the next you're having sex with Tom Cruise. If you go to a sex club, make sure it's the nine minute orgasm in kind, not the fucking Tom Cruise kind. Because no one wants that. And if you got my behind the green door reference, let me know on Twitter at Miss Bella Blitz. Toodles. I second this. Nobody should ever have sex with tiny Tom Cruise. So true. It's just my general life theory. And I will die with that theory. Um, Asterisk, unless it's listed at an interview with the vampire. Yeah, maybe. And it's only because and I think we've discussed this on another episode because he's kind of almost embracing his gayness a little bit there. Um, You can get into it, but it's the only time I can't think of another single time where I've ever found him sexually appealing. Correct. Um, Which is a good time to also go into another answer to our steam room confessions poll. We had a write in answer and people I love write in answers. So please, I seriously give me write in answers. Um, Paul at Lord Punch on Twitter had a write in vote for the room saying that movie had the worst softcore porn sex scenes I have ever seen. And Paul, while that is a great addition, I just don't see what your beef is with a dude awkwardly fucking a woman's belly button. I, I'm sorry. I just think that's good stuff. That is quality cinema. But thank you, Paul. Did, did you know, fun fact, they play The Room at midnight like once a week in Los Angeles? I did know that. <laughs> I've done the midnight viewings of The Room in different cities. Um, I, I, I never did it. That, but I admire go. the dedication. You need to go. It is it, that movie when you watch it alone is not the same experience as when you're watching it with a crowd of people. It makes all the difference in the world. Um, all right. 
I highly recommend it. The do list. It's it's a good it's a good time. A good time with tap by all. So Brittany, was it all a dream? Was it? I mean, if your pot is that amazing, I'm all about that life. But <laughs> I, you know, I I literally cannot find any way to justify this movie being a dream. Peyote. <laughs> peyote. Okay, peyote. But with, with, without peyote, I, I can't make it work. Um, no. So we've mentioned Sidney Pollock's Bond villain expository confession scene, and it makes me want to jump off a roof. I'm not saying this movie would have been better without it, but at least there would have been some level of mystery. I maybe could have formed some of my own opinions about what had happened. Maybe the it's all a dream thing might have made a little more sense. I don't know. But I just I oh, man, it makes me so mad. It makes I still say this movie kids killed Sidney Pollack and he didn't die for like another three years after it came out. Well, it's such a fucking like sharp right turn too, right. Like it's like weird sex encounter, weird sex encounter. And then all of a sudden he like, quote unquote, goes back to normal life and is being threatened by this group. Like what? Yeah. And then, Hey Bill, come over. I'm going to tell you everything. And then you can just go back your life. Right. We're going to threaten you forever. We're threatening you for a few days. And then once you're freaked out enough, we'll just tell you. It's nonsense. Cool. Like I, Oh man, I want to know who is responsible for jamming that shit in there because it's just painful. It's so that, uncomfortable. And the, and the end of the movie. Yeah, the end of and I, you know, I, I don't even like talking about the end of the movie because I don't understand, which we can just go right into it because I don't want to linger on the expository shit for so too long. I don't understand how she can just forgive him over Christmas toys. Like, all right, dude, whatevs. We'll be fine. Don't stay forever, though. That's such a long time. Like, and then let's go fuck. Like, what? It's dizzying. It is dizzying. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's forgiveness as much as it's like, we're going to move on from this, but it's not over. Like, that's kind of the impression I got but from her. Tone. It almost feels like she is giving him a pass as if what he's done is as, or what she did is as bad as what he did. Like, we both made mistakes, so let's try to move forward. No. <laughs> that's no. No, no, no. Like, it, that, that's more than a day of conversation. That's more than what looked like a couple hours of conversation. That That's like several months of couples therapy if you have a really hard time imagining your wife ever seeing another man sexually ever. Like... I think all of us who've ever been in relationships, marriages, whatever, can safely say as women that just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that like every other man in this world suddenly disappears. Yeah. Like, okay, you're married, but Jason Momoa is right there. Like what? I'm that's, supposed to stop looking at Jason Momoa? That's that's my marriage. And, it's, <laughs> and he's fine with that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like that's nonsense. The idea that it, like, if it would send a man down such a spiral to find out that his wife may have had a fantasy about someone else, but did not act on it. That says a lot about his own issues and his self-esteem and his control and 
it's borderline abusive. I mean, there are so many things that could have been discussed about Bill's problems that were just dropped. And to me, that is one of the core problems with this movie is that we spend all this time lingering on Alice and what she did or didn't do and him following his dick around New York without really looking into the fact that he's the bad guy here. Yeah. Or he's the one that's a total narcissist. and uh. Yeah. I don't need a, like a psychological profile on these characters, but it would have been nice to get anything. Right. Like what made you break? Like that's what broke you. Like, sir, you are a fragile man. Yeah. (laughs) Again, life imitating art. (laughs) art. So as we always do in the steam room, we have to rate the sex. And on a scale of one to five, Brittany, how basement flooding are the scenes of riding the spaceship to Xenu's pleasure palace? I mean, zero. Yeah. That's, I'm with you. Zero. Negative 10. Negative a million. Never make me watch this movie again. Fuck tiny Tom Cruise with Sidney Pollack's suspenders. Also, I swear on sweet Sidney's grave that I will never watch this movie again. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry. You find this movie sexy? Good on you. Don't ever show up at my door. We have also, you know what? I would entertain that conversation. Why do you find this sexy? I mean, I would certainly be willing to hear from somebody that does, but I don't think we're ever going to agree. (laughs) That's fine. I'm just curious to know, like, what in this film was sexy to you? Yeah, that's a good question. That is an excellent question. It's not really a sexy, like, there's not a lot of sex to be had in this film. There's a lot of, like, conversations about sex. And I still firmly, there are a lot, there's a lot of conversation about what killed the erotic thriller and a lot of people blame fatal attraction. And while I have my own issues with fatal attraction, I firmly believe that this movie killed the erotic thriller. Like if you look from 1999 on, there have been maybe a handful of really successful erotic thrillers that have come out since then. I think this movie was the death knell for the erotic thriller. God damn it. Yeah. I, I, I hold fast to that opinion and I'm willing to argue with anybody. <laughs> and Come again, at me, bro. I have issues with fatal attraction and we'll talk about them until I'm blue in the face, but it is this movie's fault. So on that lovely and uplifting note, thanks for joining us for eyes wide shut, AKA tiny Tom cruising for some strange. Brittany, you've been a delight. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Yay. So if you enjoyed what you heard here in the steam room today, hey, give us a rating on iTunes. Share the love. We love love. And if you're here, you love love too. And as always, don't forget to check out Bad Touch on YouTube and learn the real life applications of all the cinematic sexy we discuss in the steam room. You can read... uh, steam room column every issue of belladonna magazine which you can find online full of amazingness just like the steam room you can check us out on the horror honeys you can 
<clears throat> pardon me, you can support us on Patreon because we can't make these amazing shows happen without you guys. And I'm going to give a steam room shout out to our $10 and up patrons at Sean Freeman, 27 at Carl Smith writer at a geek named Bob at Gordon Merrick at Tabula Rasa and at Amanda Jo Hobson. You guys are awesome and we love you. So as always, thanks for joining us this week. And remember kids, there may not be any sex in the champagne room, but there is always sex in the steam room. Until next time. 